Welcome to If These Balls Could Talk with the trio like the Three Musketeers who are one for all and all for one. This is Mark along with John and Pete. And joining us tonight is our special guest, Amy Warren. Welcome back to the podcast, Amy. Hello. Thank you for having me. I missed you all greatly. Yes, it's been a while since we've been on, but uh, we are back. Uh, As a kind reminder, if you like what you hear or see, please hit that subscribe button down below. How has everyone been? Ben, John, let's start with you. Mark, I missed you. I went on vacation, but then you went on vacation. Then I went on um, So <laughs> I think we should start with your vacation. How were, uh, how were it you? It wasn't a really a vacation. I heard it. So I saw it was a work trip. I was. It was. A, was it was uh, a work trip because I have not. Because I have ninety-seven jobs. Ninety-seven I, I, jobs, Mark. How is uh, that? At least I, I took I took uh, some of them off, and then I. But the uh, this this was for real estate conference. This is down uh, held in Dallas. Uh, it's a conference that's held every year. Uh, it's uh, it's brought up by uh, Tom Ferry, who's a famous coach uh, within the real estate world, and um, it was so hot, so <laughs> hot. Mm. The lows were in like the mid to high eighties, and the hell. highs were or in the hundred every single day. Was it, it was a dry heat though? Not really. Like it, it was, but I mean, it, yeah, I, I guess it wasn't as muggy as it can get, you know, in Miami and and whatnot. But uh, it was hot. It was hot. We did have a pool by the Airbnb that was used a lot. Did you bring home any of your evil doppelgangers? Um, I actually brought home <laughs> a bobblehead of Tom Ferry. Okay. Uh, nice. who's, the, who's again, who was a speaker. And uh, yeah, it's going to be on my can desk you do, at the real estate office. Can you do all the ballers a favor and me because I laugh? Um, put all those mutant pictures of you on the on Oh, yeah, Instagram. yeah. One of, the, one of the things that I did oh, was, yeah. uh, was we were learning a little bit more about how AI can help us in real estate. And one of the things that we were playing around with were some AI uh, professional headshots. And what, what you do help is you, you say, you, yes, you load, <laughs> um, you load like about 14, at least 14 selfies in there, and it, it produces as much of headshots as possible. But it does a weird thing like so it, it does a weird thing with eyes and hands. And for whatever reason, it thinks that you're heavier than you are, too. Like there's a couple that I look like the Asian State Puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the one where you have 10 <laughs> pairs of eyes. That was Oh, weird. yeah. So that many eyes. So, so many, many eyes. eyes. There's one I have multiple eyebrows, too. Yeah. There's one but where I'm I holding up a magazine of it, Mark. We'll, we'll, we'll send yeah. we'll, 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 we'll send some out this weekend. We were good. I worked a lot. Um, I told Pete I got a promotion this uh, when I got back. So yeah, I'm a more state worker. I've I've leveled up at state work. Leveled up. You're, you're all in now. Oh yeah, I was always all in. <laughs> Wait, I forgot to use a soundboard. Ready? There we go. Yeah, thank you, thank you, yeah. thank you. We are going. Um, Mark and uh, my my family and um. We're going to see the WNBA tomorrow. We're going to a Phoenix Mercury game when they play the Connecticut Suns at Mohegan Sun. We're going to Michael Jordan's restaurant beforehand, which my mother's very excited about. I asked, do you know what that MJ stands for? And she's like, she, I don't think she knew, but she pretended she did. That's, so that's funny. Good. That's oh. funny. Yeah, Pete, how about you? There you go. I was on it. That's all I am now. Just I mean, the reporter for, for the baby. For at least the but next 18 fine. years. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of baby watch, we are getting our living room sort of redone because we want to do like a big play area slash rec space for the baby. And uh, so the floors are going in tomorrow. And because of that, everything that was in the living room is now slammed into the dining room. And thus the only thing I could reach for a beverage tonight was this 
beer that John brought over a couple weeks ago. Thank you. It was the only thing that I could reach in the fridge. So it's a good beer, though. I'm drinking it Maker's because I love myself. Ooh, you just opened a nice. can, though. <laughs> I didn't. What, open do, a what can. do you? I I just heard someone open up a can. Yeah, that was the, that, that, that was the beer. That was Pete. Oh, that was a beer. Okay, that was a can juice, of sloop yeah. juice. It was it was weird because I I I saw you talking, John, but then I heard like it's okay. Never mind. I'm I'm new to this live thing. So <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to be working from home while a bunch of people are installing a floor because I don't have time to install a floor because baby coming because baby baby yeah um, Steph's doing well she's still has up and down days but. Uh, yeah, she's she's a trooper and she's amazing. She's creating so. life. She is. Um, she gets a pass. I'm gonna say hi to Steph, even though I don't know if she's on the stream. You think you don't have time now? Yeah. Pete? Wait until the baby's born. Oh, I know. This is why we're trying to do as much stuff now so that like we can just focus on the baby. <laughs> so we're gonna. Need... Well, at least Pete is already really not. He's like me. We're really not big fans of sleep, and that really helped at least me out. True. Think about all that time wasted when you're just sleeping. Jeez. I oh, know. Hurts, hurts my soul. It does. Melanie would disagree greatly. She likes sleep a lot. Mm. All right, let's get to know our friend Amy again, shall we? Now, we wanted to start the show by congratulating you on your new role as a head coach of the girls' varsity volleyball team at your school. Now, with your new role, tell us what are some of the challenges you foresee, and also what are the best or maybe even worst parts about coaching kids in competitive sports? Ah, uh, <laughs> well... So I also coach the the boys team as well. And mm -hmm. I this is my first time as the girls coach. And already we just had tryouts the last couple of days, just finished making cuts for all the teams. So already I can't even say I foresee the problems because they're already coming. I'm getting constant <laughs> emails from parents and kids that are upset and want to know how I could, you know, how I could take away something that a, a kid loves and a sport that they love and an activity that they want to be a part of. So I'm dealing with a lot of that right now. I will say that the difference between the girls and the boys, um, you get a lot more, almost like entitlement on the girls. Like they expect that they really? were going to make teams. Yeah, they, they almost assume a little bit more about that they, where they feel they should have been, that they should have made a team and their stock that they didn't. And I don't, I have, I've been coaching the boys team already for the last, I don't know, like six years or something. And I've never had that problem. And, this is my first year as girls. I'm two days after cuts and I'm still dealing with emails and everything. So a lot more of the. And these are for aftermath. like high school aged girls. These are all for high school. Uh, so I coach the, I coach the varsity, um, but I have anywhere from oh, wow. ninth graders to 12th graders. So it's all different level, but I'm getting emails from the girls. I'm getting emails from the parents. Like it's just a lot of, you know, they're upset and I, I feel bad. It's a, it's a good problem for the program to have in the sense that we had 62 girls try out this year. Wow. And it's a really high number, but it also, when you only can play six at a time, it also means that you have to cut a lot. I keep about 14 per program. So we had to cut about 19, 20 girls or so. And I was just about to ask I you, how, them, how many do you, uh, do you use for a full team, like for subs and all so that So I stuff. tend to keep 14 on a team, uh, mm -hmm. For freshmen, 14 for JV, 14 for varsity. That That's allows cool. you to be able to kind of have people for to learn and skill. At the freshman and JV level, we focus on trying to get them as much playing time as possible. And we want them mm -hmm. to be able to get the experience and to learn. So in their aspect, you're, you are worrying about making sure everybody gets playing time. On the varsity, I mean, varsity aspect, sports have always been about winning, right? You put together yeah, the best team that you are. Sport, 
Yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're all about trying to get the banner in the gym for varsity. So, and that comes down to if if you make the cut, you're, you know, you're going to compete for the starting spots is kind of how that goes. So I don't play everybody necessarily, definitely don't play everybody every game. But so if you're asking for what problems I could foresee, I foresee some of the girls that think they should be on the court more than the girls that I'm choosing to put on the court. That's going to be a big one as the season continues. That's a hard thing to do is being able to manage the playing time. Cause yeah, everyone wants to be on the floor. No one wants to be on the bench. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a great problem to have. I mean, I'm, I'm excited that the girls are excited and I'm, you know, they really want to be out there and I can't ask for anything more as a coach, Mm -hmm. but in the same time, it's that passion also then has some consequences. If you're not the one on it, you're going to be upset. So. Well, yeah, that's really tough. I, I've been saying for a long time, um, especially for kids and high school age kids, I mean, they don't really learn lessons. Like you don't learn lessons as a human unless it stings a little. And so mm-hmm. like if you've always been told you're a special flower and then somebody tells you, well, maybe you need to try harder. Maybe yeah. you're not as good at volleyball or basketball or baseball as you think you are. Then maybe it, I mean, for some people it doesn't because some people aren't internally really prepared for that but some people i mean it motivates them so learning that you need to improve in a subject i think is very important especially for development developing kids i agree yeah and the part of the problem we're having right now like i was saying before is a good problem to have the high we have a high level of skill and so i did cut players that have good skill which is great for the program because it means that i'm able to really pick and choose and use like the Mm -hmm. best of the best so to say but in Did you say you had a, um, a, a, a ranked, like a sophomore that transferred in? I just remember the um, conversation last time we talked about it. A sophomore, Somebody who oh, was very tall a, and very good? Yeah, there is a girl, uh, a junior, actually, that moved into the district, and um, she's looking really good. She's going to be a right-side hitter for me. Um, okay. She did Great. make varsity. She's a junior, so but she's been playing kind of where she used to live and stuff like that. So she's not new to the sport. I've got a nice. tall team actually. I've got a couple of girls that are really tall. Does you feel that's going to make you, I mean, is a lot, are a lot of the teams that tall? That feels I tall I think there me. is some teams that have a couple of girls. Usually you don't have that many that are over six foot in the girls teams. Yeah. Uh, I probably have three or four girls that are. So that's usually on the more um, crowded side, I would say for height, but that's, that's a good awesome. thing. Your problem to have. That's what you've been saying. Yes. What do you do for like recruiting and, and, or have you not really got into that just yet? Like, and, yeah. and, and does like, so with the whole name, image, and likeness like uh, thing going on in college, I got to believe it's also affecting high school sports as well. So I, I don't know. What do you, how has that really affected recruiting or do you have to actively recruit people? I will tell you that's a different answer for a girls coach or as a boys coach. So yes. uh, for, for the girls, I don't really have to recruit. Uh, a lot of them are starting to play on their own at a younger age and are already, mm-hmm. it used to be a few years ago that I even probably like just 10 years ago where you had a freshman team that most of the girls never touched the ball other than in PE class. But now you're at the point where a lot of girls are already playing in middle school. I have some middle school students right mm-hmm. now that are already playing on club teams. So that's that's raising the level of play. So as far as recruiting, I don't really need to anymore. Sometimes because I teach at the middle school, if I see a girl that is really tall or even if, even if she's short, but just has good athletic skill, I might try to encourage her to maybe look at volleyball, but I wouldn't say I do a lot of recruiting. 
on the boys side of things, I had to recruit a lot because you, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize that boys volleyball exists. Um, <laughs> we, we tend to do better on the years when it's the summer Olympics because then people are all of a sudden like, Oh, makes sense. The men's yeah. volleyball do you watch a lot yeah. of basketball games? Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I actually, I, my second favorite job other than coaching is I work the basketball clock during the winter. And That's awesome. I work, I work the scoreboard at all of our high school games for boys and girls, all the home games. So I definitely like to put little bugs into the ears <laughs> of, those, of the boys, especially. And I try to tell them how well basketball and volleyball go together. Like what yeah. this is a great Very idea. True. It can help improve your skills. <laughs> definitely. All right. So let's move on here. Uh, so in addition to being a coach, you've also been a gym teacher for a long time. Uh, I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about your thought process when lesson planning. I remember back in gym class when I was in, we, uh, my gym teacher thought it'd be a great idea to start a, uh, gym football league that was supposed to be flag football. It, it turned into contact within like two games. And, uh, (laughs) I remember catching a pass, getting slammed shoulder into my stomach while trying to catch a ball still somehow grabbed it out of the air made a circus catch landed got the wind knocked out of me got up caught a touchdown pass immediately after and the guy covering me said what do i gotta cover freaking lynn swan over here little old nfl reference that's an old nfl reference (laughs) yeah if i were to guess gym class is not that violent because it used to be so how challenging is it to create activities and programs that can include a wide range of athletic abilities uh, amongst all your students, but keep everyone engaged and participating in a meaningful way. I will say football is one of the ones that's the hardest to do that because you have the widest range of skill level. Like my football unit right away, like that's a good one to give you an example of Pete. So my football unit, I've got, you've got your stereotypically, you've got your boys who love it. Eat, breathe, sleep, football. They they think you're going out there and football. A full tackle, and I yep. have to explain to them that it's not quite at that level. And mm-hmm. then you also have the other kids. Some usually, stereotypically, it's the girls, but you get the occasional boy as well. Absolutely anti-football. Wants nothing to do with it. They're scared of it. It's very intimidating. So I actually started a couple of years ago. We do this leader program during the football unit mm. where we take the boys that feel very confident, and you start promoting who feels like they could be a really good leader. Who thinks that they could, as a team leader, you would be in charge of if anyone has questions and I can't be there right away. You're going to be the one that helps to answer the questions. You're going to be the one that helps to explain to, you know, Sarah that what it means to do a fly Hmm. pass and, you know, run down the field and and what a touchdown is. And you actually get a lot of, shockingly, you get a couple of the boys that are like, I can do it. I can do it. And they get all excited and they they want to take that leadership role. So that's a good trick to be able to get those kids to still feel like they're playing at a high level, but yet they're really just helping to teach it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Do you, do you get pushback from, from parents and, and whatnot as to like, Hey, you know, you can't be too rough on kids or like, don't, don't have team captains that pick teams. I don't want my kid to be the last one picked and all that kind of stuff. Is there still a lot of that or is, has it gotten worse? Do you think since we were kids or better? So I will say that it is kind of frowned upon in the phys ed world to, uh, to do captains, like to have team captains. Mm-hmm. Anxiety has definitely gotten worse in the world. I know we mm-hmm. see that on the news, but it's definitely gotten worse in kids. The kids are a mm-hmm. lot more sensitive. So I think because of that, we do try to be careful about 
having teams picked that way. Again, I usually try to use a leadership thing where I usually ask a kid to be in charge of making all the teams and what they think is fair. And then, you know, I'll have a different kid do it another time or things like that. So I do try to stay away from having just your typical schoolyard pick where it's, you know, you go first, pick the boy, then the boy picks the girl. And we try to stay away from that because you do get kids that are sensitive on it and then feel like they're picked last. And so it's a little bit hard. Do you want to tell them about um, your uh, touchdown dance thing that you did? There's a time. Mm. Oh, yeah, yes. We need to hear this. So I have a football game that I usually play with the kids. It, um, it helps to make the ones that don't like football as much still enjoy it. We call it touchdown. So essentially all it is is you put um, you split your class into two teams. They basically have to line up. Each team has their own ball. So you're playing offense and defense at the same time. So basically as an, uh, your offense part is you hide the ball kind of like behind your back, but you don't know who has it. So everyone's kind of standing there with their hands behind the back. And then the other team's doing the same thing. When I say go, both teams start to charge to try and, you know, run over the, the, into the end zone and get a touchdown. So half your team is kind of trying to be secret with the ball and get it over the line. But the other half is trying to defend and two hand touch the other, the other team to stop them from being able to score. Um, So what John's referring to is I teach the kids that a touchdown is worth six points. And if they want to get the extra point, then they have to do a special touchdown dance that impresses Mm. me. (laughs) And then then I give them the extra point. We don't have a field goal to kick in. That's amazing. And you get some pretty interesting dances. I love it. Is that your your favorite sport to teach for this? Or or if not, what is? That was my final Um, part of the question. One, my favorite one, my favorite units to teach is actually probably badminton. I I Mm. do a pretty epic badminton tournament. Okay. (laughs) You do a tournament Um, in class? Amazing. We do do pickleball with the fifth and sixth graders, and we do badminton with the seventh and eighth Mm. graders. I was just about to ask about pickleball. I do a pretty big tournament for that like we do a whole play-in we do two days of play-in where you actually like we get your proper seating and then based off of your play-in results then we feed you one through eight and then we do wow, the it's like a u.s open and, tournament <laughs> yeah the kids are the kids actually really like that one and then surprisingly my least favorite unit to teach is volleyball <laughs> i could i could understand that honestly it's like torture it's like daggers into my heart like because i know volleyball so well and i play you know coach it and 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 play it and when you try to teach the kids how to bump and set and then all they do is this and slam at it and i'm like oh, i can't <laughs> it's such torture the, the guys can tell you that i've been really lamenting the yankee season so let's focus on the good times of our yankee fandom amy uh, what wait, was for your it, f- wait for it oh did you see they're starting to fire people today? I was really sad. But anyway, what is your favorite all-time memory regarding the Yankees? It uh, doesn't matter if it's in the stadium, during a game, but I'm curious the first thing that comes to mind. And Mark and Pete, obviously you can play along if you want to talk about the Bills and the Red Sox or whatever else team you want to talk about. I, I have a favorite memory. My, uh, my, I have two games of my favorite, t- my favorite memories, but the, the better one, I guess, if I had to choose. So I went to... Uh, it was back in July. I went to a um, Yankee Red Sox game. So, Mark, you'll appreciate this, maybe. Like this past we July? At, oh, no, God, no. This is... Oh, okay, okay. Oh many How Julys many years ago. ago this? this has to be many, many Julys ago. This is back... Okay. Um, this is a long time ago. So, I went to a Yankee Red Sox game, and the... It was one of your... T- 
typical Yankee Red Sox games where it's like, we score one, you score one. Now it's, you know, then you score two, we score two. It was just back and forth. So it was a pretty intense game. We had these four kids sitting in front of us that were Boston fans, had never been to Yankee Stadium before. Mm. And they were getting excited. And we were, they, were, they were nice to sit behind. They were fine. They weren't taunting or anything like that. And one of the kids gets up. And when I say kids, they had to have been, I would say, like early college age, probably at the like time. 20s. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then Those are kids um, saw us now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this was back when I was, you know, probably only like 10 years older. That was probably a good 10, 10, 15 years ago. So anyway, one of them goes to the bathroom. He comes back and his hat's gone. And his friends are like, you know, ask him what happened to your hat. While he was peeing at the urinal in in the at Yankee Stadium, a Yankee fan ripped his hat off his head and threw <laughs> it. And he was beyond pissed as any of us would be. Yeah. And my dad just I mean the kid was just cursing left and right. And he's like, this is bullshit. I'm so pissed. He's like, fuck this stadium. And my dad takes 20 bucks out of his wallet. This is back in the days when people still had cash. And, they, and, and when uh, hats were 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Well, he handed him 20 bucks and he says, not all Yankee fans are assholes. Buy yourself a new hat. And the kids felt awesome. so much better. That's awesome. And it calmed him down. But it's still like, and then it just wound up being a great <laughs> game in general. So like, it was just, it's always a memory. I'm going to, I'll never forget that game. That was definitely one of my favorite. That's, that's, I would say that's my great. other favorite memory though, is the one where Derek Jeter uh, dove into the stands while still chewing his bubble gum. <laughs> that was like July, July first, I think it was, or something like that, back in like two thousand. What was it, like two thousand four or something like that? But that was my other. I remember a picture of you and your sister when we won twenty six, and you guys were there, and you're like um, right beforehand, yeah. before you had to sign for it. I remember that picture. That was good too. Yeah, so <laughs> I had my jersey because we have these. We make these jerseys that say "I live for this," and then we had the number. Um, we had the number of weight like on it. Wasn't it twenty seven? Was it? It might have been the twenty. It might have been twenty seven. It was the most yeah. recent one. Two thousand nine. Yeah, that's yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah, I don't know. It was so long ago. I don't. I don't understand <laughs> so what it's long. like to be. That was a while a ago. A long, <laughs> long time ago. It hurts to be a loser. <laughs> Mark. Yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Except, <laughs> Mark, you'll appreciate this. So like I just started teaching with the kids a couple of days. We just started this week. And so I try to explain to the kids, you know, these are the teams that I root for. So if there's anything that we can bond on or talk trash about, and I show to them, I say, I'm a Yankee fan. You get a couple of the kids because I teach in Connecticut. You get a couple of the kids who are like, boo, I'm Boston fan. I said, well, we can both cry together because both our teams stink. <laughs> both so teams really matter. We're all terrible <laughs> these days. Yeah. And apparently the Orioles are good still. I, I yeah. always thought in Connecticut, though, you had I-84 kind of divide uh, Connecticut. And like to the west of 84 were Yankee fans and to the east of 84 were Red Sox fans. I didn't realize that there were still your Red Sox fans on, uh, on oh, that yeah. side of, of 84. I teach I teach in the lowest, pretty low part of um, of Connecticut. Like I'm very, very, very southern Connecticut, and there's quite a few Red Sox well, fans for sure. Well, to be fair, the Red Sox have been winners a lot more frequently than the, the Yankees have been. So I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> We've been discussing said, with the Met fans. I said too, recently, so I, John. I, I, oh, recently. I didn't hear recently. I was like 27 <laughs> yes. to four. I oh, give, it's more I than give four. Credit <laughs> to the Met fans, though, because. 
the Mets the Mets they at least sold everybody and they have a reason to suck. We didn't sell anybody. Oh my god, so bad. No, we're waving everybody now. Bader's gone, Donaldson's gone. I mean, they're all old and terrible. So like getting rid of Donaldson and getting some of that money back wasn't a bad. I didn't even realize that Donaldson was still on the team. (laughs) He is. is. As of yesterday, he's not. (laughs) As of yesterday, (laughs) not anymore. No more Josh Donaldson. What was he doing? Was was he cleaning up after the games? I don't even. Yeah, him and Rodan were cleaning the stadium at night. Mark, where's your breaking news sound? <laughs> breaking, yeah, we need to get one of those, don't oh, we? we do need you a do. breaking news sound. <laughs> Pete, I'm sure Pete could do a breaking news sound off of the cuff. Breaking news. It was pretty good, Pete. It could have been better, but it was pretty good. <laughs> Is everyone ready to get started? Hell yeah. Let's go. A lot has happened in the world of sports while we were gone, including the potential loss of a $600 million contract in Major League Baseball after it was revealed that Shohei Otani tore his UCL for the second time. He will still he will still be hitting for the rest of the season for now, but the Angels don't really have a shot at making the playoffs despite all those uh, trade deadline deals they did, uh, being at least 12 games out of the division and the wild card. So everyone, what are our thoughts on the effect of Shohei Otani tearing his UCL and possibly needing Tommy John surgery for the second time? I mean, he should have probably got mm. traded before that happened. I mean, right? <laughs> it really sucks. It sucks for his generational wealth, which is a weird thing to say. But like right. now he's injury prone and also now his shoulders hollow. I mean, he just is gonna maybe just become a DH. And if all that happens, his value goes way down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tommy John surgery for the second time. Right. Not a lot of players do that. Have you um been to the stadium when Shohei's there, um, Amy? I mean, of course, I you've been to the stadium actually. when everybody's there. Really? No Angel games? Um, I don't know the last time. I probably have seen an Angels game at some point, but not since he's been around. I tend to go, the ones I usually try to go to are usually against Boston or the Mets. And then, obviously, the more common games are going to be like Tampa, you know, ones that are in our division. Right, right, right. The ones that they play 14 times a season. Yeah, but this is exactly why, like, I even said back before they were signing Judge, like, I wasn't that anxious to sign Judge. Look what happened. You sign him, you pay all this money, and then, boom, he's injured, and he's out for the whole season. So so I want to, I, I didn't have time to look this up prior well, to pinky toe the... Pinky his pinky toe. His pinky toe, I know. His uh, pinky toe. So he boo-boo. Here, 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 are some pitch, here are some pitchers <laughs> that have actually gotten two... Tommy John surgeries. Uh, at least, uh, again, this is very quick research. Uh, Jacob Degrom. I don't know if that's one hundred percent right. Uh, Steven Strasburg. Degrom is a shell of his former self. So, Steven Strasburg, who he's just recently retired, and we're potentially going to talk about uh, Adam Wainwright and David Wells. Love, love me some David Wells. Quick, David Wells aside. Back in the nineties, when the David Wells was awesome, we went to. The All-Star game in Colorado is the only All-Star game I've ever been to. And David Wells was outside in a little beanie. And he was like, he's kind of a big man. And people are like crowd and adults are like pushing and stuff. And David Wells just takes a moment to scold all the adults. He says, listen, all the adults pushing. Nobody's going to get an autograph with this. You guys got to behave. It was the funniest fucking thing. He was just like, he was like, listen, just this like kind of, I mean, and David Wells is no nonsense his whole career. I love David Wells. John, I'll tell you. Thing continued because I went to the opening day of the new stadium and sat in the bleachers, and David Wells was there. Amazing! And everybody was trying to go around and were standing in lines to try and get autographs. And he told everyone to go sit down and stop ruining the experience for the people who bought tickets out there. 
That's awesome. I, th- I, I think I actually got uh, Nomar Garcia Parra's autograph because I kept getting smushed by people. Uh, this was during a spring training game down in Fort Myers. And I was in line to get an autograph. And I, I was the very last autograph that he signed. And I think he looked at me, I swear. And he thought I was getting smushed up against the railing. So he signed my baseball. And I think that it was because of that. And I love it. I have Nomar's autograph. Nomar is one of my favorite Red Sox players. Say it right. Noma. There we go. Noma. <laughs> Noma. Noma. Gassiapa. $600 million. He's probably not worth that yeah. anymore, right? Not anymore? No, not at all. Now, is that going to change the teams that are going to be interested in him? I mean, yeah. Amy, do you when think the Yankees you? are going to try and sign him? I hope we don't. Really? I mean, yeah, he's a power I lefty. Listen, Cashman, a- Cashman before this season, this season where he's going to get scolded for being a dumbass. Cashman before this season, maybe. Um, next season, after all his little projects are getting fired. I don't know. I don't know what the Yankees do next year. He's a power lefty, though. I read today that they're going to bring Dominguez up because why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? <laughs> and by the way, I love Jason Dominguez. I think Jason Dominguez is the future of that outfield. Um, I don't think he gets as much money. I don't think he's as interesting if he's not a two-way player. He's still a phenomenal uh, power hitter, though. I mean, he's leading the AL in, he in homers. He was before he blew his arm out. Do you think no, he's... No, he the- still hits home runs. He's 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 got... That, what was that, last week? Research department. Go! <laughs> Did he hit a home run this week? I had a quick question about UCL repair in general. So apparently there's there's repair and there's reconstruction. Was his yes. previous surgery like a full-on reconstruction? And does that typically yes. make your UCL stronger than it was before? So, kind of like so an ACL So Tommy surgery? John's surgery, they, what they do is, yes, the, the ligament is just gone. Right. And they take the ligament, usually from an area in the leg, I believe, mm-hmm. and they essentially attach that in your elbow. That's, just, that's what Tommy John's surgery is. Okay. Because I know some, some patients that have had ACL repair end up, having it like seeming after rehab and everything that it's stronger than it was before mm-hmm. it was torn initially. Yeah. So it seems a little crazy for him to tear this a second time. If, if it was completely Absolutely. reconstructed, I mean, that it ha- it's, ha- it's definitely uh, happened though. Uh, that sucks. I, mean, I think the question too, is there hasn't been a real successful two way player maybe since the babe. And, and even he stopped pitching after a while. I mean, even he stopped pitching for after a while. And then I, I guess, is what he's doing physically safe at a professional level? I don't know. I mean, two Tommy John surgeries in, what, a five-year career so far? That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, a lot. That seems pretty bad. That's a lot. All right. And there's talks that he might become a closer as opposed to a starter. Right, we'll it just see. sounds sad. Take me to the next topic. So I said we'd talk about it, and we're going to talk about it after another pitiful series against the Rays and an embarrassing two-bench clears during Sunday's game. The Yankees are now... Uh, as of Monday or Tuesday, 62 and 68. Uh, the frustration was evident, but this is just another example of their struggling season. A season, And I admit it's been easy to be a Yankee fan with a team that hasn't finished with a losing record in 30 seasons and hasn't missed the playoffs since 2016. And so I've been, I, and I said this, I've been harping on this topic for weeks now, but I figured I needed to lament with Amy. Uh, what's going on? Why are we so bad? And what would you do to fix the team if you had a say? I don't know why we're so bad, but it's painful to watch. Um, <laughs> it's so hard. I, I mean, I mean so we bad. We're so bad. So bad. It's so bad. You wouldn't even be first time, place in the AL Central every anymore. Every time you think it's not as bad, 
Then you lose to Oakland, and then it just oh, gets worse. Yeah. And you make guys on the Cubs look like Cy Young winners, and the <laughs> pot. I mean, just like all these terrible, terrible teams are making us look stupid. Speaking from a coach's aspect, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's the same problem in, in grown men, but they're mental at this point. Like, it's just this, I don't think they care to play anymore. I think they know that there's, they're not going to make they're it. They're so Stanton deflated. Did not run that ball out last week? That was disgusting. He should, he should fucking get fined for that. He was just like, nah, I'm out, whatever. Yeah. I think, Mark, you just said it right. Like, that's the perfect word. They're deflated, and they're playing deflated. And then I think people, it doesn't change that much. Sports are mental, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, I deal, with high, I deal with middle schoolers in PE. I deal with high schoolers for athletes on my volleyball teams. They're, everyone's mental, and you get to a point where it's, why, why try? I don't have that attitude. I'm the opposite, but I know I'm in the minority on that. Like, I'm the type that if I'm failing, I want to figure out what am I doing wrong and try and fix it to get better. But yeah. I, I think I am in the minority in that. I think a lot of people tend to just, why bother? It's already too late anyway. Yeah. Reset yeah. next huh. year. But it just makes it so hard to watch. And so yeah. I'm gonna, I have a hot take on this. I'm going to say that the team is actually badly constructed. I think functionally the team is bad because it's, it isn't put together well. I mean, we're nope. 80% right-handed bats. We have a bunch so of many terrible, terrible middle relievers. We have no left fielder, no actual left fielder. And we thought we could platoon left field for some goddamn reason. Hmm. Um, and I mean, like, the fact of it is that Aaron Judge went out for a month and we lost 20 fucking games. Like, oh my God. So many games. So many games. Everyone forgot how to hit. (laughs) I think part of our problem is that we, we focus on having big names, big numbers and look at a team like Tampa and how they started out. Right. You had all these young guys who just want to prove themselves. They're, they're going to play a lot harder. Atlanta's playing like Ronald Kuna, 62 stolen bases. Like, Oh my God, that team is good. And it's not, like, homegrown player homegrown players right that's how the yankees won in the 90s you have a team that's put together well that's smart that plays small ball i mean you're not gonna win with 20 home run hitters obviously because the yankees had them and they all suck i think so, our, joey gallo too traded everybody everybody got yeah. traded uh joey gallo like a lifetime like like below 200 hitter but he could hit 30 40 home runs a year I think we try too hard to have a big resume. You can't have a big resume. And not anymore. You need the people who care still. And that's going to be the ones who don't have it yet. And then the Yankees, who have a $200 million roster, who were almost knocking a little bit in the first half, are garbage in the second half, but like a little bit around in the first half. And you make zero moves in the trade deadline. And so that's why, yeah. even though Boone will probably get fired, I think Cashman should. So what if they are stealth tanking so that it looks like they're not really doing it, but they're carefully constructed to lose while seeming like they're trying? It's almost like with the way that they're playing, huh. they were told that they could right? have been like, yeah, like a, so imagine, imagine like you're, you're, uh, your executives, you, you're mm-hmm. your boss, you're the, the, the senior VP of the company. He, he brings you into meetings. Like guys, we are trying to tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. But we can't because we're the right. Yankees. We're not tanking. <laughs> we're just but suddenly terrible. Amazing. This, this could lend some credence to what Amy was saying, where, right, like you were talking about, when you're backed into a corner in sports and at the lowest point, you're losing by 10 runs or something, you don't quit. 
you think to yourself, how do I, I, I got to try harder. I got to do better. What am I doing wrong? I feel like a lot of pro athletes, you know, you say there aren't many people like that. And I agree, but at the highest level of the sport, men and women are, are like that. I feel like that's in their blood. So it might take something like Mark said, where the, the owner of the company is like, hey, get some extra money under the table there if you want to, you know, not try as but hard I this time, this see season. The bo- I mean, there's no real benefit in the MLB. No. Yeah, the draft like, is not that like stock the draft prospects is not like, not really. The draft is not like that. And really, honestly, losing in New York is unacceptable, and it always has been. Well, th- this is part of the uh, problem of having guaranteed contracts, right? Like, yeah. Like, why... Yeah. Like fully guaranteed. That's what ba- baseball does. That's what basketball does. Those are big money guaranteed contracts. Meanwhile, the NFL, you don't see people quitting in the NFL because they're playing for their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, because they have to score towel 12 touchdowns that season or they don't get paid. Exactly. There's a lot of performance. Unless they're, unless they're Kenny Galladay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he had an incentive as to how many hamburgers he could eat. No, Kenny Galladay made, made literally $12 million a touchdown because he only scored one, and that's how much he got paid. <laughs> hey, Kenny Galladay. Jesus that's Christ. amazing. It is time for the next topic, Mark. Yes. Da. It's been announced that all three first-round quarterbacks from this past NFL draft are going to be the starting quarterbacks at the start of the regular season. Lots of renowned quarterbacks did not, did not start their first game. Uh, including Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady, while others have, including Drew Brees, Jim Kelly, and Peyton Manning, who holds the record for most interceptions in a season with 26 during his rookie year. Now, of course, there have been huge busts, including Johnny Manziel, J.P. Lossman, Jamarcus Russell, and Ryan Leaf. So, everyone, do we agree we're starting all three of these rookie quarterbacks? And do we think coaches should protect rookies or throw them in the fire? All the teams are real bad, Mark. I mean, I think unlike I think it's circumstantial, lot, right? I think it it's is circumstantial. very circumstantial. The Texans are real bad. The Colts are real bad. Who's Bryce Young on? He's uh, 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 Panthers. Yeah, the Panthers are real bad. I mean, Panthers I don't think- aren't that. Panthers aren't real bad. Of the three teams, they're probably the, the ones in the best shape. <laughs> yes, they are the best of the two. But I mean, who gives a shit, right? Might as well. I read today. Check this out. And Pete will know because it was on our fantasy football thread uh, that uh, Anthony Richardson might delay starting in the NFL to become a rapper. So that's I was going to bring that up, too. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> I was I, I was waiting today. to find a time to put that in. And yes. I was super interested. So I looked it up. That's real. He rapped. That's it is a real thing. Happen. It's that's awesome. not going to happen. Well, he, no. I mean, he won't make it's a, a rumor, dollars rapping. But also, exactly. I mean, what's going on with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis right now? Because it's not injury something no they're is, punishing him he's, because he signed i think he just signed yeah but they um they wait i'm sorry i'm thinking josh jacobs they I'm are thinking keeping josh him jacobs. Yeah, jacobs is signed yeah they are definitely punishing him they're definitely keeping him on pop oh and jim ursay the and worst, they're not letting anyone NFL. have him because no. they're fucking no. petty shitheads like oh my god right and so i don't know well the I dolphins tried the dolphins did try to to trade for him but i i don't yeah. know it's it's not no really known what the colts were asking for they they might have been asking for a king's ransom i would really like it's, anthony richardson to be good i think that bryce young and cj stroud maybe are i think so it's so sad though i i have more faith in, in young than i do uh the other two but i don't know I like Bryce Young. I think he did really well, actually, in the preseason games that I saw. He looked yep. like a real quarterback. Anthony Richardson looked like a rapper. 
So, Amy, <laughs> to, to, this, I, I, I purposely phrase this question a little bit like you. Like, have you ever started a freshman on any of your varsity teams? And I guess what would it take to do that? Uh, so last year, our girls team, we had um, we had two two girls as freshmen starting and they're now returning as sophomores this year. That's awesome. So, yeah, right. um, I, I mean, I say for varsity level, like we said earlier, you have to be. You're, the whole point's to win, right? Like that's the that's the goal. So you're going to put whoever on the court's going to do that. And if it's a freshman that's playing better than a senior, that's what I'm going to do. And so the so, way the NFL draft think, works is um, uh, the worst teams get the top picks. And so in the first round, four quarterbacks went. And so the three most touted quarterbacks, are the ones we've been talking about. But I mean, that that definitely happens. You have some really talented freshmen sometimes. And now, do you do you start them right away, or do you kind of have them ride the bench at the start of the season, and then they kind of earn their way onto the court? I think for me, and I think it should be the same. Like you asked about for the NFL, then I think it's if the if the person's showing that they're a reason that they should be there, then why wouldn't you just play them? I mean, obviously, if they're showing you that skill level and they're at that skill level, then what are you waiting for? Why are you going to have them sit on the bench if they're the best option? That's a great answer. I, I, I totally believe that, too. I know in, um, in, in when I was uh, with the college basketball team, we definitely had freshmen start. Uh, t- so there was one year, one freshman I remember. She was really good. She did not start to start the season, but she would uh, as the season went on. And another one that started from day one. Um, there can and, yeah. sometimes be reasons that you don't start them because you have somebody who's at a little bit higher level that's mm-hmm. older than them with some more experience. But Usually if a freshman is making a team, whether it's college, high school, whatever, you know, whatever level, they're making it for a reason. So typically their skill level is there. So why, why would you sit them then? I think that's a good example, especially related to this, because like in the places these guys are in Indianapolis and Houston, there's not a lot of options. They don't have other quarterbacks and they paid, they just drafted these guys. So why not? Yeah, and I it mean, goes back to what we were talking about with baseball. It's going to be the same thing in football. You get these young guys that want to impress people. They're going to play their hearts out. They are going to try everything in their power to do the best that they can. What, what more can you ask as a coach? Matt Stafford's wife just went on her podcast, and she talked about how Matt's feeling sad that all the people on the Rams are young, and Matt doesn't feel like he's bonding with anyone. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe it's time for the Cooper Cup. He still has Cooper Cup. I thought yeah. that was so funny. I was just like, oh, Jesus, Matt Stafford's wife. I, I agree with Amy's approach to this. And that if the I, I feel like quarterbacks are gonna be good or they're not. And yeah, maybe it, it may benefit waiting your Johnny uh, Manzel Pete. <laughs> Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's just wasn't game good. one. Yes, yeah. for every Joe Burrow, there's a Johnny Menzel. Yes, for every I'm, Joe Burrow, there's a Johnny Menzel. Exactly. I'd argue if the Chiefs started Pat Mahomes in his rookie year, then they probably would have one more 13-plus win AFC Championship Super Bowl year. On, you know, under Do you know belt. why they didn't start Patrick Mahomes? They still had Alex Smith. They had Alex Smith. Did you know but I was with Pete the I day that Mahomes the Bills is decided better to start Josh Smith. Allen and he was very upset? <laughs> I was with. I we was. watched that. We watched that game. Actually, he was well, like, "What the hell are they doing?" I was more upset that Nathan Peterman was so bad ah, that it Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman. Yeah. How many? How many interceptions did he throw that first half? Because oh. it was more Enough. than seven. <laughs> no. It, well, 
It was that more wasn't touchdowns even than Kenny Galladay had last that year. That wasn't even his worst game. You remember the one we were at Recovery Room Sports Bar? Yeah, not a sponsor. Um, and uh, yeah, we watched five interceptions in the first half of that Ooh. of his first NFL start. Wow. He had a. Ooh. I believe they just gave him a zero quarterback rating. They're like, and you it was are it was bad at touted football. as the worst performance of a quarterback in NFL history. We're gonna have the record for most sad horns in this. Oh, 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 no. oh, was it the next game they started Josh Allen and he jumped over that guy and you're like maybe? No, he's always so the way that worked. Peterman lasted one half of that season. Allen played the second half, but they were already losing forty to nothing against the Ravens. It That's ended up being I think forty to ten by the end of that, but you know the damage was done. Allen played better, but not great. In his second, in the second game of that season, which was his first start, and we were like, "This is this isn't going to work." And then the third game, he jumps over a guy and dominated, <laughs> dominated yeah. a team that was favored over the Bills by twenty-one points, and the Bills beat them by like twenty-one points. So, okay, after that, I was like, "Okay, maybe maybe we got something." We're out of time, everyone. We're out of time. Then maybe yes, it's time for the next topic. Out of the time. We want the next topic. We do. Well, I'm going to keep it on the bills, you guys. Um, it was reported last week that Buffalo Bill pass rusher and defensive all-pro Von Miller will miss at least four games of the 2023 season. As he Can was you play not the horn again? <laughs> yeah, play the horn again. As he was not removed from the pup list by Tuesday's 4 p.m. deadline, uh, he will at minimum miss games against the Jets, Raiders, Commanders, and Dolphins. A Miller injured his right ACL on Thanksgiving in a game against the Lions. A Miller was a major part of the Bills' defense last season, even in the beginning. Uh, though he only played 11 games, he finished tied with the lead in sacks for the year at eight and led the team with 38 pressures, which is amazing, by the way. Um, so as the difference in the Miller-less Bills' defense was clear last year, what do they need to do to adjust now and in the future as a clearly aging Miller ages out? And will the addition of veteran Leonard Floyd fill that hole? And this is mostly for Pete, but you guys can, of course, participate. <laughs> I mean, the Bills need to score like 40 points a game now, right? <laughs> That's, yeah. I will say Leonard Floyd should help. Um, they really didn't have I mean, much last year. Sign. He's a he's pretty, Floyd is yeah. great. He's not Von Miller, but he's very good. No, he's not. And also, Greg Rousseau was quietly emerging a little bit last year. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be all pro level, but he's a solid anchor on the other side of that pass rush um they need they need rousseau and ed oliver to develop into what their potential was supposed to be i, I don't think ed oliver is is ever going to reach the the height of ninth overall pick i mean that's just not going to happen but he was a ninth if, overall pick ninth overall wow yeah. i know how, how long ago um, what season what, what year was that he might have been the 2019 draft. Yep, because Allen's, really, yep, the Bills were six and ten in Allen's first year because Allen wasn't great yet. It wasn't even good yet, and he was injured for a few games where he's their backup was even worse. So, so Oliver is just not. He he's not yeah, that level that they need. I, that, yeah, I know. Yeah, so they need too. they need those two, I think, to really step up to to you know substitute for von miller not being there so amy as as a super fan um you know that we have talked about this but like he talks about the difference between the first half bills and the second half bills and the first half bills they were beating teams by 40 oh and other teams first half of last season yeah the first half of last season and other teams weren't scoring and then von miller got hurt and all of a sudden the bills looked human well two things happened von miller got hurt too but and josh allen partially tore his ucl and josh allen got hurt yep 
that your two best players on the team out. Right. right. I mean, Josh, I mean, it's, stop, it's, it's debatable. The Von Miller one was a little bit was had a little bit higher effect on it. Now, keep in mind, Von Miller is an old man. Yeah, but he still <laughs> so, led the team in defensive stats last absolutely, year. Absolutely, absolutely. But tearing his ACL at the age that he is, keep in mind, still younger than us, but still. I don't think um, he comes back yeah. at the same. Yeah, he's, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, I think he's going to miss even more than the first four games. I do too, by the way, that's why I brought it up. It's funny because he, according to him, he was ready to play for last year in the playoffs. They shut him down. Okay. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning well, to realize that a lot of what right? Von Miller says is very optimistic. Like, don't worry, we're, we're going to sign OBJ. Don't worry, we're going to sign D-Hop. I talked to him last week. He's coming. And none of that. <laughs> yeah, but your problem wasn't really the offense. I mean, no. it kind of was, but not the personnel. Uh, I'd argue they needed a number two receiver. And a Maybe Gabe, back. Gabe Davis needs to step up this year. I hope he does. See the, You see the, uh, the Giants drop Cole Beasley? Uh, well, he's the Giants. Old. He was on the Giants. Uh, we we put him. We put. He tried out, and he he didn't make the team. Yeah, uh, but he's coming back to be on the practice squad. So you know, it's totally fine. Oh, his, the Bills his, could still sign him off the practice squad. Yeah, I I think that chip has sailed. <laughs> the last year of his prime was 2020, and he was excellent in 2020. He had over a thousand yards receiving. Had like yeah, 80 had something catches. A lot of catches that year. Really yeah. good. But I I think those days are behind him, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, as for for Vaughn, I mean. Okay, so maybe he probably wouldn't have played in the Super Bowl, but the GM did say uh, that he was very close to being good to go for week one. I think they're just being overly cautious. Why is he, in, why is he not good to go six months later? I don't know. I mean, six but full months, right? I mean, he's a professional athlete. He's been he's, training and working out that whole time. He's been playing full practices with a helmet on, with no knee brace on, doing so all, all the individual month, drills. A whole month to see if I he's guess. okay. It just seems like something else is going on, honestly. I will say the Bills training staff seems to be very overcautious with certain types of injuries, especially knee injuries. Um, we saw that with Tredavious White, uh, who tore his ACL two Thanksgivings ago, and it took him over a year to get back on the field. I mean, that's also um, not necessarily bad either, right? Maybe not, yeah. And a player like Trey, he didn't seem like he was mentally ready to come back. He was scared. Vaughn is a different story. He was please put me back out there. I'm ready. So I think it may be player dependent, but I also feel like the, the bills staff is just very, they're, they're going to hold them back absolutely as long as possible. By the way, we should also mention, and John, I apologize. If this is one of your topics. Damar Hamlin made the 53 man roster. It is not, but that's amazing. Congratulations to yeah. yeah. oh, And in an interview, Sean McDermott, the coach said that he will be active uh, for game one. Six, five, four, three, two, one, go. Next topic. So sorry, Amy. I have one more football topic. The San Francisco 49ers now gave up three first round picks and a second round pick to be able to draft Trey Lance, number three topic. in the draft three mm -hmm. years ago. Love this topic. But the, he recently got traded to the Dallas Cowboys for a fourth round pick. Now. While general manager John Lynch has made an overwhelming majority of good moves, including drafting their now starting quarterback, the previous Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, he may be most well known for this debacle. Now, on the Cowboys side, they already have a franchise quarterback in Dak Prescott, where they signed a, a big deal two years ago, but will include a $59 million cap hit next year. Ooh. So, everyone... 
Why do you think the 49ers gave up on Trey Lance? And what does it say about the Cowboys? I read that um, Jerry didn't tell anybody about this. Deal. He did he not. Did, he did it all by himself. Didn't tell Dak. Didn't tell the coach. Mike didn't McCarthy. Didn't tell anybody. He's like, didn't tell my anybody. team and do whatever the fuck I want. I'm Jerry Jones. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It says a lot. I think that $59 million is a big, a big teller of it. I yep. think that if Dak doesn't perform this year, and he hasn't really performed the last two years. Through a lot might, of interceptions last year. He might be out. I think that's mm. the writing on the wall, right? Mm. Interesting. Yeah, Dallas is one of those teams that's desperate to stay at the top and stay relevant and stay a playoff team. Trey Lance also said he was very pleased with trade and going to Dallas, which makes sense. Mm. It's a big program. A lot of fans. But he went from being the number three quarterback in San Francisco to being the number three quarterback in Dallas. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Well, or do I mean, you think wow. that Trey Lance is, is just not that good? What is he, 24? I mean, he probably just assumes he'll get the job. And, and yeah, well, the kid has only played as many reps, uh, or, uh, as many like football throws in the last four years. He has like a season's worth of football throws in the last four years. Yeah. And the, the only way he's going to get better is with reps. Yeah, right? It's true. It's true. But he's not going to yeah. get that as a number three quarterback. No. What I find interesting about this, too, is what's going on with the 49ers? Like, I recently saw there was an interview that Jimmy Garoppolo gave. Um, I think it was in Sports Illustrated. And he basically, let me see. Actually, I have it up here just conveniently. You just uh, calling let, let out me, references like a professional, Pete. To quote like Jimmy G <laughs> in his response to the Trey Lance trade. Uh, you know, weird situation, Garoppolo said. Uh, been a lot of weird situations over there in San Francisco. Just, just to leave it at that. But I'm happy Trey got another shot, man. Happy he's getting to Dallas, got another opportunity. Hopefully things work out there, but it's a weird league. Everyone has a different story. Uh, he, uh, he had it's more a weird, it was a weird scenario say. for San Francisco though. Yeah. He, he said there are a lot of weird situations in San Francisco though. Not just this. Well, and, uh, not, not just that. Like, so, all right, you, you had an idea for Trey Lance. You thought he was going to be the starter. He gets hurt. You have Jimmy G. He gets hurt. So you have to bring on Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. And all, he does phenomenal. So, so what do you expect them to do? But I mean, could you QB for that team, Mark? Probably. It is probably the best <laughs> roster outside a quarterback in the NFL. If I don't, right. if I don't die by an NFL lineman. But I mean, yes, right, though, but I mean, that team is very jacked. Very, is Brock, very jacked. Is Brock phenomenal or just phenomenally lucky, though? Apparently yeah. he had the second. He's good for that system. But he had the second or third highest dropped interception rate in the NFL and that's over an entire season, even though he didn't even play an entire season. Not, not drop rate, but drops total. So he could have easily thrown a dozen more interceptions than he did and looked terrible. I think that's a meaningless stat. <laughs> Sorry, <Is> Pete. <laughs> Dropped interceptions? That just means that, that so what? So what? If, if, if a defender if bats a ball luck. or a loses the ball, first of all, as, as one of my friends like to say, there's a reason why you're a cornerback and not a wide receiver. Because you can't catch the ball, but yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, again, the 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 ends justify the means. The, the kid went okay. what's won eight nine games in a row. He did win a lot, yeah. So, or he rather he helped lead the yeah, team yeah. to eight did nine he hand wins. Christian in a row. McCaffrey the ball nine games. He did. Row? He handed it off to McCaffrey extremely well. And <laughs> Why can't Trey Lance do that? Why can't Trey Lance do that? Trey I Lance couldn't can't even do Trey that. Trey Lance do that, by the way. I don't know. For whatever reason. Worse at ball handoff skill ability. I would maybe say that Cooks, Lamb, and uh, Gallup maybe better than um, 
Ayak Samuel and Jennings. I mean, Jennings is a, is a no name. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ayak and Samuel are very good, but I think maybe Dallas has better receivers than San Francisco. Yes, funny. I'd say that. I was about to say that no, Dallas dropped Michael Gallup, but no, that was me on my dynasty fantasy <laughs> team. <laughs> He's still on the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, honestly, Dallas receiving Brandon Cooks, yes, very, very good. I I loved that pickup for Dallas, and they picked up Stephon Gilmore as well. Even though that does make mm. me sad because I have Ceedee Lamb on my fantasy team, and he is my wide receiver one. I mean, what's more exciting than the next topic? So, in honor of Amy, I thought we could do a sport we've never talked about on the show before: NCAA volleyball, and Ooh. so. This past weekend, Giant Slaying defined a thrilling uh, tournament, uh, women's college volleyball, as Long Beach State stunned top-ranked Texas, and four top-ten teams suffered early setbacks. Um, All the while, the Wisconsin Badgers took the opportunity to claim the top spot, breezing through the Big Ten, Big 12 challenges, with 3-1, 3-0 wins over Baylor and TCU, respectively. So everyone, but mostly Amy, because we don't know anything about volleyball, um, how important early season wins and losses like this in uh, programs? Do you follow any specific college programs? And what's your thoughts on being a college athlete in the name image likeness era? Yeah, Amy, uh, that's all you. <laughs> nobody else wants to go first. <laughs> we just don't know enough about it. Like, I, all right, uh, here, here, I have a question. Does I'm pretty sure, but volleyball has a tournament much like basketball does, right? I mean, they do the, the NCAA tournament. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, I don't know if it's specifically, it's quite as big as March Madness is, but it's a uh, pretty big. No, but it's a bracket style tournament, right? It's a similar oh, yeah. format. Yeah, similar. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, John, you asked like how important is it to have those wins or losses in the beginning? It's tough. Uh, I think it depends on the team. Also depends on who you're losing to. Like, you know, if you tell me if I mm-hmm. lose to my arrival of mine, that's going to kind of mentally push you down. But college level athletes are usually mentally stronger. Um, they have a lot of games and they do have a lot all of they games. have to do. They, all they have to do is qualify in order mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs. So as far as the wins and losses right in the beginning, it's probably not a big deal is my guess. You know, it's not obviously a win's better than a loss, but I don't think that having those losses in the beginning is going to necessarily take them out. Um, uh, out of Wisconsin is actually playing right now. They're playing Arkansas right now. Yeah, the Badgers are the Badgers are pretty good. So I actually saw last year uh, the coach that I used to work with that I was an assistant for before I took over. His sister played for Wisconsin a couple of oh, years super- back. Oh. So we actually went to last year. We took our team to. Um, the Rutgers in Jersey, and we play. Isn't that where that is? Right in Jersey. Yeah, Rutgers yep. is in and Jersey. We, yeah, yeah. We watch them play. Uh, we watch them play Wisconsin. So that was kind of cool. We got to meet. Um, we got to meet all the girls. The coach is. Is it Coach Kelly? I think is his name. Absolutely an amazing coach and a great guy. And you know they they came and met us up through the end of the game over by the bus before they left. That was a really cool experience. That's so, cool. so Kelly Sheffield, um, I, nice memory. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he was, he's a really good guy, like very humble, very down to earth. Um, he just really has a love for the game. And like I like a lot of his tactics. I've used some of his drills and stuff I've seen online. Oh, uh, we've used them in the past. But yeah, really, really nice guy. So their team's always kind of fun to pay attention to. I probably just by default will pay attention to Ohio State because that's been when I when I was trying to find a football team to watch and my students told me to become an Ohio State fan and then coincidentally I met Tom a month later so it kind of became fate 
But um, everyone thinks that Tom's the reason that I became an Ohio State fan, but that's only probably the re- reason I stay an Ohio State fan. But, <laughs> Interesting. Um, but I will say because of it, I do follow Ohio State, the women and the men's sports. So guys, volleyball. even though Tom is now from New York, he used to be from Ohio. Yeah. For those that don't know, please explain who Tom is. <laughs> Because uh, so <laughs> no, we haven't met Tom in before, and none of the listeners no. have probably are thinking, "Who's Tom?" Right. This is true, and that that was a smooth transition. That Mark. Was Very really nice. good, um, Mark. You're like, I don't want to talk about volleyball. Let's talk about Tom. Uh, that uh, Tom is my boyfriend, who I was in a long distance relationship for for three years, the past three years, and he's was from Ohio. And about two two and a half weeks ago, he moved in with me here in New York. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Wait, we have a sound for this. Hey, Tom. <laughs> yeah, nice job. Nice job. Shout so, out to Tom. <laughs> yes. To bring it back to volleyball, because I love talking about new sports. Mark taught me this. The Texas loss is actually really important for Wisconsin. They are now the number one team. They're one of the only 2-0 teams left, even though they're going to beat Arkansas tonight, and they're going to be the only 2-0 team left. And um, I think, I mean, because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Texas won the tournament last year, right, Amy? Yes. Right. And I mean, so Texas is a really so. good team, too. And there was just it was so um, reportedly, obviously, I didn't watch it, but um, reportedly it was a very odd tournament. Just like all of these teams in their first tournament of the season, they just did not perform. But Wisconsin did. Yeah, I tell you, that guy, Co- Coach Kelly, he's uh, he's really good. That guy knows his stuff. Um, it is impressive to watch. They do tend to be underdogs, but they they don't give up. They're fighters. For sure. But what does it take to coach in a D1 program? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, having a lot of assistance, a lot of stats, like being able to That's take true. a lot of stats and um, live stats, I would say, is a big one. In a game like volleyball, having live stats to be able to adjust your offense and your defense. Can you tell the listeners and us, because we don't know, what kind of stats are those? Like, what do you track so in you, a volleyball game? You can track a lot of stuff, but I would say live stats are going to be things like where... You, they can even do like heat maps where you can tell exactly where a lot of the Ooh. top hitters are hitting and you can actually see. So like if you want to shift your defense over to um, to be able to defend it and make sure that your, you know, your libero is actually in the correct spot to be able to pass the ball, things like that. Uh, you can, cool. yeah, you can go off of percentages of, you know, what type of serves you're doing. It can even go down to that, like as a, is a float serve going to work better than a top spin serve at this particular player? And the live stats will even tell you whether or not, you know, if I'm serving at Mark and I know that Mark can handle a float serve, well, then I'm going to, it's kind of like with pitching in baseball, you know, like they, <laughs> they change the, they change their, their pitches according to the hitter. Right. So, uh, and according to the batter. So it's the same thing with volleyball. You can change at that level. You should be able to change the type of serve or target certain people because you're seeing that their stats are not as good during the game. So. I would say live stats is definitely a big one. Do like specific outside hmm. hitters, do they just favor specific parts on the court? At that level, at college level? Yeah. No. College no. level, they're going, I mean, no, because college level, you're you're usually at a level where you can place You can the do ball anything then, right? Yeah. Wherever you want. So you're smarter about placing it. You can see the court when you go up. You can see that there's a block about to stop you, so then you tip over it or go to the side. You right. can notice in, in kind of that immediate timing that there's an opening, you know, just short to the corner and to throw it down. So I don't, I don't think there's any sort of a trend at that level to tell you there isn't my high school level. (laughs) They're like, I know I can hit it there. So I'm going to every single time. 
I, I literally had this talk with one of my captains today who's an outside hitter. And I said to her, I go, if I'm playing against us, all I'm going to do is camp out in the corner because that's the only place that you ever hit it. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty fascinating, I, though. That, I want to change that up a little bit. Right. That in a way, so funny. heat maps and some analytics like that matter more than in lower level because players are a little bit more limited in what they can do. That, yeah, that's kind of that's fascinating to me. The amount of stats that they can take during a game, though, and then when you watch a college team play for volleyball, there's multiple people that are watching each thing. So, you know, somebody's in charge of running the offense. Somebody, It's almost getting like football where you have like 15 coaches and each one specializes in their thing. Are you and running they talk plays per se? You can run plays. Yeah, you can ask. Huh. I even run plays in the, at the high school level. Well, That's um, awesome. Wow. Can, and it depends on the level. I mean, you want to hear of like a stupid player that I did with my I boys. I do want to hear play? about a stupid yes. player. You guys will appreciate this. We called it Batman. So Batman. <laughs> we called it Batman because what we wanted to do was my setter at the time. He used to always wear Batman pajama pants to practice. That's why we called it Batman. But so basically, if the ball came over the net and my libero was able to give a perfect pass, like normally you want your your libero to pass the ball to the setter, the setter sets the ball up for one of your hitters. We wanted to do it where if we yelled out Batman, that meant that the libero set up the ball so perfectly that the setter didn't have to set it. He would just turn and crank it and hit it right at the other team and surprise them. That's so amazing. Like on the second hit, not the third hit? On the second hit, not the right. third hit, but nice. it would be set up so perfectly. So the, the libero literally in live time would have to yell out, Batman, Batman, because oh. he felt like the per- the pass was so perfect. And then my setter would just turn and crank it and smack it down. Ooh, when we scored points off that, that we lot. went crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> ah. So no, the libero is the person who wears the opposite color jersey. You'll see that in college if you ever wondered why they're wearing okay. the opposite color. It's because they're a defense specialist. So... If you remember back to your old PE days when you used to play gym volleyball and you rotate around to the different positions, mm-hmm. yep. you still have to rotate in volleyball at the higher levels. But the difference is, is that the libero can stay in the back row the entire time. Cool. So they're allowed Ooh. to sub. They're allowed to sub in and out for two people. Um, typically, it's your middles because your middles are usually not your best passers because they're so tall, so they refuse to squat and get low <laughs> enough. But. Um, Usually the libero, so the libero can go in for one person, and then when it would be their turn to come into the front row, the libero would then go in for the other person and stay in the back. And the fun fact, the reason that they brought that along was because they wanted the uh, rallies to last longer. So it allowed you to have your best passer in the back row so that you could get more excitement in the game and have the rallies actually last. Great Scott, it's the next topic. All right, I have have my depressing topic. Um, it was an, it was announced last week that Tampa Bay Rays shortstop Wander Franco was put on administrative leave. This is believed to be the result of his native country, the Dominican Republic, investigating him for having a relationship with a minor. Uh, for those that do not know, administrative leave is essentially removing a player from the active roster, but he still gets paid and accrues service time. At this mm. time, not a lot is known about this investigation, but Franco has denied the allegations. So, everyone... What do we think about Wander Franco being put on administrative leave from MLB? Didn't the second accusation come come out immediately after? Yeah, he is definitely guilty, and he definitely needs to be Oof. fired and not play baseball ever again because that's gross. Yeah, I mean, we don't. I mean, this is like I like to do. Jeff likes this one. I just go, nope, next topic. Um, but I mean, really, <laughs> there's not a lot to talk about. He's from another country. 
There's already multiple allegations. He's a scumbag. He should be fired. He signed a 10-year, $189 million well, deal with Tampa. Tampa, couple, Tampa has bad management, ago. and they suck at signing players because they should definitely have vetted that. I don't know. I mean, he, he how old is he, 24? I mean, at that point, do, do you think Major League Baseball clubs are looking at, at stuff like that for young kids, especially so. in other countries? Yeah, I mean, re- rewind that. Did, they should. Did these, <laughs> did these allegations occur or before... No, they just signed happened. him and just then they found out later. Okay. That's my question, Pete. Like, I want, I want more information. So, like, was this something yeah. that happened when he was 18? And, or is it something that just happened in the last month? Right. There's very little details about it, so we don't really know. Third accuser three hours ago. Oh, I did uh, not know that. Not Breaking lot. news. Not that Breaking news. Is Nothing is Wanda excusable. Wander Franco is gross. Course, and Tampa just but he's lost still getting paid. And Tampa just yeah, lost $180 like million dollars because... Well, they might be able to recoup some of the money because of there's there's got to be some kind of like a morality um, clause, in his, like a morality in clause or something. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Like, don't, don't players that get be. suspended in other leagues aren't the games they miss? They're not paid for those. But, and in this one, he is getting paid. That's crazy. He, that, he's on administrative leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm gonna guess that's wind up getting recanted and probably taken out. I would think. I, I don't think so. they'll keep paying him. Not with all yeah. the accusations that I mean, are coming out. Keep... They'll wind up taking the money away. We'll see. Yeah. Things like this can tend to roll to to gain a lot of momentum, whether good or bad. They gain a lot of momentum, and so I mean, the fact of it is that there is a lot to talk about, and we don't have any information. And I, you know what? Even even if he does end up getting something for this, uh, depending on how how strict the penalty is, like maybe he gets a few years in jail. I guarantee some club is going to try and swoop him up afterwards. I mean, they did it happen to Michael Vick, right? Michael Vick got a second chance. Yeah, that's that's right. And he's still young. Where if he if he goes a couple know. years in jail, I mean, oh no, please. He's playing please. Bas- baseball in America, and I, I mean, obviously, dogfighting is terrible, but I think minor abuse is worse empirically. I mean, no, worse empirically. I mean, I don't think he can. Pl- I don't think he can play ever again, and it doesn't even matter if he's guilty or not. The sports world is very forgiving if you are a good athlete and you happen to be a winning athlete as well. Ben no, Roethlisberger. But nobody, but nobody gives a shit. It's Florida. <laughs> They're the best they've ever been and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares because they're all retired New Yorkers. Oh, man. That's so true. They, they're a good team every single year. Every year. Nobody goes to the games. They can't sell tickets. And, and I don't know how they pay the their games. players. And honestly, they don't. Their players are good. They have good scouting and good farms and good management, but they all leave. They just all leave. They all go to Houston. Well, they tried paying this kid. They tried paying this kid. Yeah, 10 years, uh, $189 you see million. How good they, you see, see how good they are at it. Well, <laughs> I don't, I, again, I don't know how much they really vetted him, and but the, the odds of this happening aren't re- usually that good, so I don't know. But, I mean, is it fair to have him on administrative leave right now? I think that's fucking stupid. Hmm. Period. Straight up. I have, like no patience for anyth- I have no patience for anything like this. So. Something like this you shouldn't be paid for, right? Yeah, While you're yeah. sitting at home. You should get fired right away. Right yeah. away. Fired. Done. I demand better accountability from these leagues. I just demand people holding rich people to the same laws as everybody else. Yeah. Amen to that. But I mean, you know, shit. Yeah. Any, any that, other, yeah. any other person, any other person in the real world, it would have been fired from their job immediately, right? Away, right? Oh yeah. No thoughts. Right. But I mean, the fact of it is that some organization in Florida doesn't want to lose $180 million. They shouldn't have fucking paid him. 
Yeah. I'm fired up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we encourage that here. I demand the next topic. On another off-the-beaten-cuff uh, sports topic, former President Barack Obama and his wife Michelle were at Arthur Ashe Stadium on Monday night to watch Coco Goff's first-round victory in the U.S. Open. A Goff, just 19, a defeated Laura Sigmund, 3-6, 6-2, And so even after the match grew content- contentious with Sigmund using delay tactics between points and Goff speaking up for herself, uh, after the match, the Obamas met with her and spoke to her a bit about the win and about how Goff, uh, they were proud of Goff for speaking up for herself. Uh, Michelle actually quoting Billie Jean King, even though she was doing a Billie Jean King event later, uh, we can either wait around and accept what we're given, we can sit silently and hope someone else fights our battles, or we can make our own stand. So, do we think now the sixth ranked Goff uh, can be the next big thing in tennis? And how cool is it for her to get the Obama seal of approval? Uh, also, who do we th- like for this year's Open? She has come so far in so many tournaments. And it seems, while she is athletically gifted, it seems that she doesn't quite have that mental edge to actually win a big tournament. Now, I believe the last tournament that she played, she did win. But that's not quite the field of the U.S. Open, and it's not quite the stage of the U.S. Open. Like, the... I. I can't remember. I think the furthest she's ever made in a major has been the quarters. I could be wrong. Amy, do you know off the top of your head? I don't. Yeah. Um, I, she, like, she's never really made it all that far. And she's uh, w- now in doubles she has. So she, her doubles partner is Jessica Pagula. Uh, I believe they have won a major together. I could be wrong about that. But she's definitely made it further as a du- in Jessica doubles Pagula, than she has the in Bills singles. Princess? Yes, the Bills she Princess. She is the Bills Princess, yeah. That's, that's a good, good term for it. Although I would argue now she's much better known as a like nationally ranked tennis player. World ranked. International podcast. No. I I think I I mean I, I would love Coco Goff to be like the next big thing in, in American tennis. I don't think she's going to be though. I just like she well, at least not now. She she's nineteen years old. She's still very young, although I feel she's been in the public eye for a while now. Yeah, that's true. I think since she was sixteen. Um, that everyone has been looking for like the next Serena Williams. They thought, uh, Sloan Stevens was supposed to be the next Serena and she kind of fizzled out. Uh, Coco Goff now is, is like that next big hope for American tennis. Um, although Jessica Pagula also, uh, an American, but, but I, I just don't know if she has quite that edge to be a major champion. She might be like an Anna Kornikova. When I read the story and I thought about the thing you've been saying about when we went on that like five week span of pro tennis that they're, we're looking for the next big thing. I think that the Obama's saying, hey, you're awesome. I think that really is a sign, at least in the direction that absolutely the yeah. American community wants her to go. I mean, the fact of it is that um, the stuff Sigmund was doing was a little bit legally non-sportsman. Um, and then she still won that match. And um Sometimes you got to pull out all stops when you're losing, right? That's true. <laughs> it's true. And I mean, I, it was a good match and she won. I think she's doing very well. I'm um, she just uh, I think she's playing uh, Mira Andriva and um, and she's actually the the veteran in that match. Mira Andriva is only 16 mm-hmm. years old. Um, wow. I mean, I think 19 is a good a good time to be very good at tennis. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the beginning of things to come usually. Um I want to say Martina Hingis won 
she wanted to go to Mount of Majors when she was in her teens. I think actually her first one came at either 17 or 18. Uh, she was actually one of my favorite tennis players growing up. Um, and then uh, you had you had Agassi win when he was so young. Um, he, he, not a lot of players win in their in their teens. Um, Carlos uh, Alcaraz, he uh, I believe he won his first at 19 years old, um, and he just recently won won his second. Now he's a player that I definitely want to watch on the men's side, uh, along with Francis Tiafo, who you know me and the, my crew fell in love with last year's US You're Open. Right? Yeah. Um, I definitely am going to pull for him. I believe he is ranked 10th. I could be wrong about that. Um, and then, of course, you have Djokovic. Um, and so when, and I don't know, when was the last time? Because right now, Pagula is ranked number three in the world. And um, Kokogov is ranked number six in the world. When is the last time we've had two women in the top 10? Well, there's usually a lot, like a good amount of American women in the top 10. Uh, whether or not they can actually win the final is another story. Because it's been a while since an American woman has won the, the final at the U.S. Open. Um, yeah. I did mention this in another podcast, and unfortunately, I can't remember what that, what that, who that person is now. Um, but it's, uh, I, I mean, Americans love winners. So in order for tennis, I think, to become, like, to draw that next Serena Williams, that next, that next Serena Williams has to be a winner at major tournaments. And can anybody yeah. beat Iga Swiatek? She lost recently, she actually, did. in um, in in one of her most recent. She has tournaments. like a three thousand point lead in the U.S. Open. Yeah, or? yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. This was oh, another okay. tournament. I don't know, Amy. Um, I'm I'm assuming you're going this year, correct? Uh, actually, so <gasps> my dad is there, though. My dad's been going um the week. So basically, what my dad gets a week of U.S. Open tickets every year, um. So I never can go during the week because I start school before Labor Day. My time to go is usually Labor Day weekend. They changed the tickets this year and they only made his tickets go Monday through Saturday. And because I have volleyball on Saturday, I can't go. So the only thing we could do is buy a ticket to go Sunday or Monday, but it wasn't really worth it. Um, but my dad has been going. My dad went, has gone Monday, Tuesday, and he's, uh, he was there. He's there again today. And actually Tom went for his very first time on Monday. He had never been to the US Open, so he got to experience it. Um, but yeah, so unfortunately I am very sad. I am not going this year. It is one of my favorite times of year. So are you going? No, I I didn't buy, I didn't get tickets either. I didn't get tickets either. No, last year was the first time I ever went to, uh, to the Open. It was a very... It was a very rare occurrence. I went to two majors last year. Um, and so this year... Did you I go to the Open any. after you went to Wimbledon? <laughs> yes. Nice. So you were just like, had the tennis bug. We had the tennis bug. I mean, I still have the tennis bug. I just, uh, I felt like I spent way too much money at the Open last year. So I didn't <laughs> really want to go this year. Even though I had an opportunity to actually buy tickets for face value. Um, oh, that's shocking. Because they're well, going for crazy amounts. Well, they are now, but uh, and and by the way, I hate the fact that Ticketmaster resells their own tickets. That's we've talked terrible. about that before. We've talked uh, about that. Before. That's, that's uh, but I didn't know. I had yeah. an opportunity to get like a like a general mission ticket for face value because I had bought the ticket before. Uh, I so I could have done it. I I didn't. I didn't though. So unfortunately, it's one I am of my favorite times of year. It is even if you're not like I told Tom when we were asking him if he wanted to go. Yeah. Um, even if you're not a tennis fan, it's just, it's an experience. It's a very interesting oh, absolutely. experience. 
it makes you really appreciate tennis, even if you don't. I still don't, even after going to the U.S. Open all these years, I still don't go and watch it on TV, you know, that often or really follow it. But it just going is just so, it's so much fun and it's so fascinating to watch. So, Was, uh, is, is there anyone up. that your your dad is, is in, like, has to follow this year? Or does he just, he just goes I'm to a court sure. and watches it, right? You know, so he has t his tickets for the, the season tickets he gets every year in the grandstand. So mm -hmm. he tends to not see those bigger name matches because they're all playing in what's the, not the, Louis yeah. Armstrong, Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe. They're yeah. usually playing well, in Arthur There's Ash. big names in Louis well, Armstrong too. Yeah. Right. There will tend to be Louis Armstrong names. Actually, usually when I would go on Labor Day weekend, that's when mm -hmm. the bigger names are usually in Louis Armstrong. But he tends to follow a lot of the like underdogs and some of the newer people. So it's actually kind of fun because his seats are so good. You get great experience, you know, great experience being able to watch them up close. And you're rooting for these underdogs and to see some of them have these major upsets is kind of cool to say that you were watching them, you know, back when. So, you know, the number one thing, well, not me, not the number one thing. One of the things I took away from from uh, visiting Flushing Meadows. So they make the grandstand look so big on TV. And then when I got there, I was like, that this is it. <laughs> yeah. it I know. I'm not TV. even sure who it was. I know. Um. My my dad and Tom were watching a game on Monday, a match on Monday night that was, I think it was a, uh, some USA player, but they were both telling me that apparently the even the standing room was packed and oh, like it was, yeah, and in the grandstand that's pretty big because it's mm -hmm. you know it's not a big stadium, so it was it was packed from from side to side. But I um, I guess the USA player won, I believe, is what I was told. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> hey Beavis, there's like a next topic. <laughs> so the WNBA season is wrapping up soon and it has caught some attention uh, it has caught some attention in fact as we mentioned John and I are going to a game tomorrow night now average and attendance also Melanie and Jamie yes. and my mother and mm -hmm. my sister hey Melanie Melanie is hey Melanie shout out to the companion family average attendance has been up since 2019 but still 39% less than its peak in 1998 for average audience Although overall attendance is projected to be the best since 2008. So Diana Tarsi is still playing, so. Despite this, the average sports fan probably still doesn't know a lot of WNBA athletes outside of Brittany Griner or Diana Taurasi. Now, it can be argued that the WNBA is having one of its best seasons with two super teams in the New York Liberty and defending champion Las Vegas Aces. Big free agent names like Candace Parker were drawn to the Aces while Brianna Stewart signed with the Liberty, and they drafted arguably the best player out of college, Sabrina Ionescu. Still, still to me, Asia Wilson is surpassing them all, with averaging more than 21 points per game this season, including tying a single game record with 53 points against the Dream recently. Hmm. So everyone... Should Asia Wilson be pushed more as the face of the WNBA, or what else should they do marketing-wise? I mean, at the end of the day, soccer, women's basket, basketball, things that don't have coverage need more coverage, right? They need more TV mm -hmm. time. They need more ad time. They need more internet time. And so the things that do that are interesting players, exciting players, young players, yeah. right? Like You don't mean in any way like their athletic ability or anything. It's no, more just, no, just what exposure and their popularity. Right ones yeah. that don't have money right now. I mean, the right, ones that so, don't get paid, don't get paid. And they, yeah. have, less, they have less of all that stuff. Right, right. And it, it sucks because it's, it's kind of like a, a negative feedback loop where you just you, you don't get the TV deals. You can't pay more money. You don't pay more money to the players. You don't draw the players. You don't get the play. 
then you don't get the TV deal. Well, so what's really interesting so about Las Vegas loop? Aces is that they are spending. They have... Yeah. As are the Liberty. As are the Liberty. And I, I think that they're sort of in... I don't want to say a soundboard, but it's not hard to sell tickets to sporting events in New York City and Las Vegas. Yeah, they they seem to put on a very good show with all. I mean, and we'll see. And we're going to I'm going to make Mark do it, but we're going to go live at the game tomorrow at least once, if not more times after Mark gets some beer in me. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Bring your um, microphones. We'll see what it looks like in Connecticut. But I mean, this stadium is in a casino. and, And so I just don't see the same amount of people that can go to a place like this, right? And no, so we'll it's it, yeah, the capacity of the Mohican Sun Arena is definitely not as big as like Madison Square Garden, right? But it can still well, hold right. a decent amount of people. It's a right. nice and stadium. So, yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm the most excited for bringing Jamie, honestly. But that's most of my life these days. Is this? But her I'm, first? I'm really. This is her first professional. Well, her first arena sporting event. She's been to a couple okay. of baseball games. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm really disappointed in the WNBA though because one of the things that the NBA does very well is marketing and marketing mm-hmm. their players. Mm-hmm. I mean, the average sports fan can probably name at least a dozen NBA players. Um, I don't know, Amy, can you name an NBA player? An NBA player? Yes. Or a WNBA player? No, an NBA player. Oh, an NBA player, a current one? Uh Let's see. I'm trying to think of my Knicks players, I guess, but. (laughs) 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 All right. Amy, I think proved me wrong, but maybe because I put her on the spot. Mm. Uh, (laughs) But but again, NBA does a great job of marketing their players. I mean, Steph Curry is everywhere. Sure. Uh, LeBron James is everywhere. Yes. Kevin Durant, all of Mm -hmm. their big players. Let's talk about similar things. Besides Mark, does anyone know of a major WNBA milestone that was passed this current season? I don't. We talked about her earlier. <laughs> so Diana Taurasi, the previously mentioned, um, possibly the greatest WNBA player. She's forty-one now. She's been in the league forever, but she passed wow. ten thousand points this year. Um, the next highest point score, by the way, seven thousand five hundred. So Diana Taurasi is a dominant, long-lasting hall of famer in the wnba Mm -hmm. and right and so i know that that record was covered this year but it was not national news it wasn't no it wasn't the judge home run record it wasn't lebron the lebron scoring record it wasn't any Mm. of those things and i mean i think that's pretty sad really right i mean on some of the sports networks it did get a pretty nice applause here and there and uh it was towards the first half hour of the show okay uh, for for anything that was like an hour long so there there were good mentions of it but um yeah it definitely wasn't it it, it's not like aaron judge hitting 62 home runs that's for sure Mm -hmm. it was not covered the same and i think that's a real problem and so they have to really kind of pick up on stuff like that the fact that essentially britney griner is a war hero and is playing on the same team as Diana Taurasi. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. yeah. The things- problem is, though, when they, when they try to put in, in like actual advertisement towards girls, though, people don't watch it. Yeah. Like mm. People just don't really care about it and don't watch it, and they're not going to put in time and money into something that doesn't produce the results back. I think you're right about that, but there's a way that advertisers can still put them in like commercials. But, I mean, A, they're not really a focus, but B, they are the focus. Because, mm. I mean, you I mean, you have athletes all the time. I mean, how many does Eli Manning do now? 
Eli Manning has become like has become the poster child of so many things. And isn't Stephon Curry in the Subway commercials? Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he is. As as is Simone Biles and. Uh huh. Now Simone Biles. There's there's actually a a name. Wait till Archie starts doing commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Good old Archie. I'll argue they're better at marketing women's gymnastics, which. Okay, yes, there is a U.S. championship going on right now. And, of course, there's the Olympics. But it's not as these competitors, you don't see them in competitions as often as something like the WNBA. So why does that get all the attention? And maybe it's because it's on a world stage. But, um, yeah, why can't we do the same thing for for more recurring, regularly scheduled sports leagues in the U.S.? And I mean, it comes down to money, right? So the WNBA TV contracts certainly not as lucrative as the NBA contracts. Mm-hmm. So when you know, if you don't have the money, you can't necessarily spend the money, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in another another sense, I mean, again, like we said, look at what the Aces and Liberty are doing. They are investing in their teams, and they are the two best teams this year, far and away. And they have the best players because they can pay them the most. I mean, it's just business at that point. Mm-hmm. Do they get the most attendance I, too? Because I could yeah. see that happening yep. as a result. Yeah, because it's not hard to sell sports tickets. Except for anything. Seattle, I think Seattle gets mm. um, gets more than than them. I could be wrong about that. I did look at a graph the other day. What do you got, Amy? <laughs> I don't watch a lot of WNBA, but I didn't actually. I don't even. I don't know. I just don't know that they're. Are they even? Are there even that many many teams that have talent? Like I thought, my understanding of WNBA was part of the problem. A lot like women's college basketball, right? Like you have March Madness. Basketball for March Madness for the men is super competitive. You've got upsets constantly. And I feel like the the complaints about the women's is that all the talent always went to like two teams. And I thought my understanding of the WNBA was kind of similar, that there was basically like one or two teams that was good and that was it. Is that false? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I just feel like mm. that's the... I would actually, like I would actually days. say, yeah. So this, like this year, it kind of seems that way. Cause again, Las Vegas and New York have super teams, but the WNBA in the past has been pretty widespread with regards to their talent. Like there haven't really been a lot of dynasties in the WNBA. Uh, I mean, you had the, the Houston, you had Houston for a while that won a good amount. Like when the WNBA first came out, um, I think the sparks went on a little tear for a while with Candace Parker being, um, the focus of that team, but there haven't been a lot of like, th- I mean, there haven't been a lot of like dynasties. Yeah. I think mm. that's part of it too. Then then people don't get hooked to it. So you know, you don't have those teams that you want to follow because you expect them to be good. I don't know. I th- I always thought that was one of the problems with college basketball for women mm-hmm. and that's why people don't watch it. As well. Final topic. <laughs> you make me laugh and so it wouldn't be a if these balls could talk if we didn't talk about ai so we're going to um the defcon hacker conference in las vegas two weeks ago had its first ever ai hacking contest Uh, the contest is based on a cybersecurity practice called red teaming which is attacking software to identify its vulnerabilities Uh, ai offers a new opportunity of hacking with words instead of code and so this contest challenges were laid out with different point values to get the ai to go rogue to get it to spout false claims made up facts racial stereotypes or privacy violations and so there was a lot of people who were very excited that they got it to do all these things and um it wasn't really even i mean because to to hack in ai you don't really need to know how to code 
Um, so what are some security measures that can be put into place that wouldn't be easily circumvented with craftily crafted logical sentences? And what are some things we've made AI do for us already? It's a tough question. The possibility of AI is, is, seems to be somewhat boundless. It, uh, it can do, the possibilities are just, it, it can do a lot of different things, right? And I think that's, that's, the, that's the greatness about AI, but it also scares a lot of people too. I mean, we've, we've talked about this in, in the past, like, you know, AI might be replacing a lot of jobs. Um, it already uh, is. Wasn't, wasn't it Netflix that put out a job for like 900,000 or something like that for their, what was it, AI content manager or something like that? Mm -hmm. um, for their, for their, AI, um, their AI programming, which they're going to do. I mean, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and there's going to be more and more content that is produced by AI. Now, I'm, I mean... Uh, we, we were just talking about a little while ago how we could do like all these like w I was playing around with headshots, but we've also been talking about in the in the real estate world doing a lot of videos or for AI content and you can record your voice um, and and then have like an AI generated avatar of yourself and you can kind of create videos that way as well. I, I mean, again, the, the en endless possibilities for AI now. Us as a society, are we going to be able to handle it? I think a lot of us are going to abuse it initially, and there's a lot of us that aren't, don't know what to do with it, so we're uh, either not going to use it correctly or just not use it at all. So you have a lot of the extremes, I think, that are going to happen. There's going to be a York, lot of people... Um, professionally has put the kibosh on it. We blocked all... Um, ChatGPT on everything, just blocked. Um, we've taken it out of... Um, what's going to happen now is... Um, which is will be harder to block is that because Microsoft owns OpenAI, essentially, mm -hmm. um, they're kind of inserting it into things, and so it's going to become part of Office pretty soon, actually. And mm -hmm. the, um, the uh, chat bot portion of Bing is actually live on the internet right now. You guys can check mm -hmm. it out. It's just bing.com slash chat. And um, if you want to talk to, um, to, to OpenAI or ChatGPT via Bing, you can do that on the internet today. Um, I think that it has to be used as a tool. I think that as a tool right now, it's very, very convenient. I mean, for Mark, right? And um, things like content creation, um, constant social media creation, um, I think that it kind of just simplifies the whole thing. You can be like, here are my listings, write 10 Instagram posts and four Facebook posts for these, be a little funny, a little serious. I mean, you could just tell it to do it for you and it just does it. And I think those yep. are the things that it's really, really good at, because like we've said on the show, but like you guys probably understand, um, large language models are just algorithmic completionists, right? And so it's not really thinking, but it's telling you what, you what it thinks you want it to say, which is essentially how we write as people. That's why it kind of mimics intelligence, because it's like, we'll write a thing on, you know real estate and you're like well this is how i would write a thing on real estate and then you write it right mm -hmm. and if i was if i was playing the ai drinking game and had to take a shot every time someone said chat gpt at this conference <laughs> i mean i would have been i i, I would have been just absolutely blasted i actually <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if chat gpt is being said more than the word google now wow. that because i it just everyone just seems to be just just knows about it they might not be using it but they know about it and one of the things that happened after the conference, every single realtor that was there downloaded the ChatGPT app on their phone if it wasn't there already. Damn. Yeah. Has yeah. it become a verb now? Like, hey, just Google it. Hey, just ChatGPT it. 
I don't think it's quite that far, but it's mm. be, it's, it's that there. it's being said a lot. So I read an article in Fortune um, before the show actually today uh, that uh, ChatGPT is reportedly earning eighty million dollars a month, and so they lost five hundred and forty million dollars last year while they were building up, and apparently um, at this rate they're going to be profitable again and probably get a higher valuation. I don't doubt that at all. Um, I don't we, doubt that at all. We know factually, we know that the moment they went live. Every single um, uh, search engine company went in panic mode. Um, Absolutely. They just went in straight up panic mode because when you think about it, a well-working large language model AI is going to replace the search engine because why look through 20 articles when you don't have to? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do that because no, no American, no human has the time to wade through things and just wants a quick answer always and i don't even think people really actually care if that answer is completely 100 percent accurate no that's no. that's that's true that is that a truth <laughs> fact right <laughs> a lot of people just want to hear what they're right. already thinking right yeah confirmation that, bias that we, is very dangerous yeah and we've yeah. talked about that too where does chat gpt get a lot of its information from mm-hmm. what's already on the internet and if there's a lot of bullshit on the internet well chat gpt is just gonna shit just gonna there's a lot of say a lot of, shit on the yeah, internet all right Mark. all right but that's well, like we're going to get those... to a certain point where the bullshit might outweigh the truth, right? Yeah. Well, also, that's though, one it's going to get pauses. better and it's going to get smarter, right? What are you going to say, Pete? I was going to say that's one of those pauses where if you can imagine there's a lot of bullshit on the Internet and then pause, Morgan Freeman goes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> or that's when he said, and that's when it went for the turn for the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you think about AI, Amy? So I don't know much about AI. The only thing I know is from a teacher perspective, they're like those places. Is, I might be really stupid sounding right now, but isn't it AI where they do those es- where you can have like essays or emails written for you? Right? Is that part? That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, so so the stuff that I've heard about is that the high school in particular is having a lot of trouble with plagiarism yes. and Ooh. trying to teach the difference between plagiarism and also using these AI sources that can create an essay for you or or things. So. I actually heard something pretty interesting the other day that some of the high school LA teachers were talking about doing um, that instead of caring so much about where they got their writing from, like where the essay was from, whether they wrote it themselves or whether the AI wrote it for them, but more so how do they interpret what was written. So it's becoming more about Mm. what the interpretation is rather than what was actually written because you don't know where people are getting their they're writing from nowadays and so that's what our um on the show actually that's yep. what our friend i was Collins just about to mention suggested. that john yeah um yeah. the task at some point in the future and the human job at some point in the future even will not be to write the article but to choose which article to write and unfortunately what that's going to do is just going to make content creation like the requirements of content creation go way up because it's going to be not one article in a week let's say it's going to be 10 yeah but yeah you're going to do that by using AI tools to do the actual writing because, and so, hey, Rick, our friend Rick, who was on the show recently, um, said, um, because he is a writer, that he would give ChatGPT prompts um, that he would usually give writers that he would task to do stuff when he was writing professionally. And they would do a very good job. I mean, better than things that he would get submitted. And unfortunately for content creators, and um, ChatGPT doesn't have a bad day. It doesn't get sick. 
It doesn't make mistakes. I mean, it might be lying through its teeth, which is the unfortunate <laughs> part, but it's going to be writing clear, concise, well-punctuated articles. It is. That's what it does. Well, it's programmed to follow oh. rules, right? You give it correct grammar set rules, rules. It'll, it'll never deviate from that. And so at a professional level, um, and not cheap, cheap, I haven't really played with ChatGPT, the pro version, the pay version, but there are many professional writing tools that are AI-driven that enterprises can feed their style guides. We as a company, we write this way. There it is. And then they can just say, write an article on X, write an article on Y, write a call. I mean, write, NYSERDA can say, write an article on solar energy in New York State. And it just will. And it'll be perfect. The, and that's the future is now. <laughs> and we're out of time. All right. Pete, you ready? Yeah. So that has been our 10 topics. We would like to thank our guests for joining us this week. Thank you, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for having me again. Please subscribe to us on this very YouTube channel or and follow or like us on our socials, uh, which is at If These Balls Pod on X, Instagram, Facebook, and now Threads. Our X website is... Twitter. <laughs> our website is www.iftheseballscouldtalkpod.com. I almost messed that up. This is Mark Pesci, and for my partner, John Campagna, and producer Pete Steffen, that's what we feel they would say if these balls could talk. Bye, Bye friends. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> if this-